Red Ted Redemption. <laughs> yeah, salute to Andy Campbell who does the help with the research. My man came up with that and it's fucking hilarious to me. Red Ted Redemption tonight on Death Metal. <laughs> This is by far the most insane story arc of any crime in history that we're going to get to tonight. Just want to preface it with that as wild as any movie you've ever seen about crime, including the wild, wild west shit, any serial killer shit, horror movies, nothing, nothing compares to Ted Bundy escaping prison. I cannot wait to talk about this shit. It's incredible to me. Uh, Buddy has been drinking pure grain alcohol tonight. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. God rest our soul. I hope we make this. There's two. There's two labels. Well, there, yeah, there's a warning label and a caution label. A caution label. And you're drinking it. It says, caution, extremely flammable. Handle with care. Warning. Overconsumption may endanger your health. Yeah, but drink it anyway. Who cares, right? Yeah, man, I don't. You got nothing to live for. Yeah, I do, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, but it's weird though because I was thinking about like when the guy mentioned it, you know. Yeah, he was like, "Where's there's this?" And oh, I was yeah, like, they, I could the, get a the half dude that sounded like this? Homestar Runner. Yeah, well, you can get the pure grain alcohol, but it's like I I could drink a fifth in an episode, you know. Yeah, this is like you do a fifth. Yeah, but it Basically, just gets a hold of you a certain way. But I, yeah, it does. But speed. You, I'm gonna be honest with you tonight. You've been pacing yourself pretty well. I'm fine, man. But if I, you put really... if you put that down right now, we'd be in trouble. Is what I'm getting at. Oh yeah. Uh, yo, s- straight up, if you look hard with this. Shout thing. out, city. Before we start the podcast, like real businessmen this time. Number one, we got a live show at Vino's in Little Rock, Arkansas. So if you happen to be one of our few local fans, even though we got snubbed by the local news and the true crime podcast section, come on out and let us redeem ourselves. Bring your friends. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about something dirty. Real. It's going to be X-rated. Oh, I can't wait. I got a projector. We're going to look at some terrible things together. Dicks You're going to hear a bumps. lot of... Oh, uh, also, oh, yeah. we'll have a little bit of comedy probably with our producer, Mark, and our friends from Memphis, Tennessee, Heels. They do an acoustic punk. Yeah, it's good. Pop punk. Yeah, they rip. They're gonna, I normally don't like that kind of shit, but they're good. I'm dude. telling you, yeah. one, they're a one in a lifetime band. Uh, we're going to put that on. Right before us, boys and girls, we're going to have a great time. We're looking forward to it. We really want to pack it out. It's only five fucking dollars, my friend. So you're getting a lot of entertainment for just five smackers. If you live in the area, if you live a few hours away, it's worth coming. It's a Saturday night, March 30th at Vino's. The Death Metal Boys ride again. You'll come. (laughs) And you'll come. You'll come. Busting makes me feel good. Yeah. Yo, also, if you could give us a five-star review, tight. On yeah. iTunes, that's free. If you want to get on Patreon City Patrons, yo, yesterday I did it. I ordered shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I ordered that's them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it took forever. Dude, I just had, I put a thing out that was like, hey, if you live within driving distance of me and you want a shirt, hit me up. We'll hook you up with it. Because when we order them, we get it for like a little bit cheaper because there's no shipping involved. If we Like, we pay for the shipping of a lot of shirts, right? Yeah. So it's just one price. 
So anyway, long story short, a lot of people that got in touch with me drugged the fuck out of their feet. And uh, now we're back together. We're on the same page. I ordered them. So I would guess in like a week I'm going to get them. Yeah. And then I'll send them your way. Because all the people that ordered for it. It would take about. It'll probably take three days. They're pretty fast, man. Dude, crazy fast. And uh, that brings me to our next thing. Warlordclothing.com, official sponsor of the Death Metal Boys. You go to their website. They got lots of cool shit. But most importantly, they got our shit. Yeah. Everyone that's bought our stuff, hoodies, t-shirts, long sleeves, lady shirts, tank tops. Thank you. And uh, post that picture. I like that. Yeah. I'll make a collage and post it online at some point. So I appreciate Everyone that's done that means a lot to us. We'd like to see that we have affected you in a, such a way that you would spend money. Yeah. Because I don't come away from my cash very often unless something means a lot to me. So all of that to me uh, is beautiful. And we thank you for that shit. And we'll, of course, thank a long list of people who basically produce our show. Make it happen for us at the end of this broadcast. We love you guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you want to listen to another podcast in between... This week and next, listen to You're Not Core, a new podcast with me and my friend Jeremiah. We talk about hardcore albums and all types of different subjects. I just riff it up. So if you like to hear me go off on tangents, that's the place for you. Y-O-U-R-E-N-O-T-C-O-R-E. You're Not Core. Thank you, everyone that gave us a five-star review because we were getting shit on. (laughs) Yeah. And then also... uh Mark's podcast, Episodics of the Blowhole. Our producer, Mark, slinging dick. He just... Slinging it, man. Confessed an amazing story. I don't know. He told us something cool a minute ago, so if you want to learn him, just check out the YouTube fucking live stream. A great reason to get on YouTube and check us out. Uh, Yo, it's a lot different than we do. We often talk before the show. Uh, Mark pulls up some of the pictures of shit we talk about. And, uh, you know, you get the full visual experience. It's like it's like when you watch a good podcast live, how they have three or four camera angles and they pull up pictures of shit. We got that now. So if if that's how you want to consume shit, hit it up, which is death metal dicks on YouTube. Be part of that. Subscribe. We do five minute fucking album reviews five a week. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? I mean, Uh we really do it. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate you just for listening to this. So stick around. We're about to talk about the wrap up of Ted Bunny's life, which this is the by far the wildest part. Yeah. If you, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the Ted Bunny story besides us, which I highly doubt. What a ride we've been on. Yeah. You normally think like a serial killer. Uh, they killed all these people in a particular way. They got caught. Nothing else could happen. Wrong. Wrong, yeah, and he hasn't got caught quite yet. And, it, and it's like it's not it's it's not like a oh you just got away with like one or two things. This motherfucker got away. I mean, the dude, fuck away. You just have never heard. This is wild. Tale. Yeah. It's like almost look. If no one got their fucking face smashed in, it's a Disney cartoon. Yeah, just the the beauty of the human mind on full display here. Uh, so you know. Again, this third part will kind of parallel the second part in some time that we've already spent. Because what we looked at last time was specifically the murders that Ted committed. Ted's relationships while he was doing that. Just to give you a frame of Ted's mind. A frame of his professional and interpersonal life alongside of the gruesome crimes he was committing. 
that said, we do backdate a little bit to some of the things that started to pique police interest in Ted Bundy in this episode. We'll start with August 16th, 1975. Uh, Ted Bundy is sneaking around a residential area in Granger, Utah. Because remember, he moved back to Salt Lake City. Granger is a suburb of Salt Lake City. And he's just sneaking around with his lights off and his beetle. A highway patrol officer named Bob Hayward sees the beetle and turns his lights on to come after him. Ted hauls ass. Doesn't stop right away. Super suspicious behavior. And, uh, of course, a Volkswagen Beetle can't outrun a fucking police cruiser in the 1970s. It's one of the slowest cars against one of the fastest fucking cars. Um, as soon as Hayward comes up, he shines his light into the Beetle. And he notices right next to Bundy on the seat is a crowbar, a ski mask, an ice pick, black gloves, handcuffs, and a second mask which is just eyes cut into pantyhose, a bunch of trash rags, and some rope cut up. Here's what's wild about his car, though. Yeah. You know what he did to it? He took the passenger seat out so he, yes. could, so he could tie women up and put them, lay them down right. so you couldn't see them. I'm not sure if that's at this point yet, though. No, it, he started doing this. Uh, oh, way back. Way back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the always pipe in with that. Yeah, the lead singer Corn owns that car, and so I, I saw I saw an MTV thing where they were showing it, and he was like, "This was Ted Bundy's car," and then he was like, "The passenger seat's missing because this is where he would put women when we tie him up." And God damn, he's wild, man. Bundy or the corn guy? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know what's always been funny about the corn guy to me? He got a tattoo on his arm that says HIV. Yeah, doesn't have AIDS. No, but you know what's cool though is in that whole interview he's wearing a really he's wearing a fucking tomb of the mutilated shirt, Weird. cannibal corpse. Yeah, right, he it. likes good metal. Okay, I mean, but he likes to. Uh, ticky ting ting. Yeah, I'm tell you right now, yeah. friendo, the first corn album not that bad. Yeah, I know. I told you that, and you would disagree, and then you listened. What? Well, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. But that happens a lot. It probably did happen. It did happen, but Fair it's enough. okay. You know, it's cool because I, I was the first time somebody was like, "Yo, you should listen to." I'm like, "Fuck that." That's how I felt too. Yeah. See, I listen to Corn Issues and Kid Rock. I'm about the same day. Which one did you like better? Corn. Yeah. But I was also. It's better. Yeah. But I was also in fourth grade. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So he sees, I guess guess he sees the seat out of the car and all this shit. And then fucking Ted's, this shit's hilarious. You know, he's got like explanations for this shit. Which, th- this has always been the problem with Ted Bundy and the way that America worked in the 1970s, especially in Utah. He's so clean cut, so well spoken. He's in and out of law school and universities. It's not like he can ever not explain himself very well, especially to a cop. Because he also loves cops. He, he always drops that he's in law school. So they know at some point they'll probably cross paths again since he's in the area. Uh, but yeah, he just tells the cop, like, yeah, don't worry about it, dude. I ski. That's why I got the ski mask. Uh, I fucking found these crazy ass handcuffs in a dumpster. I'm not going to throw them away. And all this other shit, like an ice pick and crowbar, it's just shit people have in their car, bro. I mean, what if I get stuck in the snow? I'm going to have to pick the ice off. Except for that old passenger seat missing there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, fuck, I don't like people. I don't want yeah. anyone. I just got to get in the back. Yeah, yeah. Another detective named Jerry Thompson and a very similar run-in and beetle from the November 1974 kidnapping of DeRanch matched the details of Clopper's multiple calls to the detective. You just have to reach back for the next episode for those two women. Um, exactly how she described Bundy. Same shit in the car when he pulled it over. All the same. Um, so they, they when 
Thompson reaches back into the record of when he's been pulled over. They detain Bundy. This is when he actually gets pulled into the police station. They search his apartment, and then, you know, again, he's a law student. You know he's rolling with the whole, like, oh, am I being detained? What am I here for? Do you need to talk to me for how long? I'm not going to answer any questions. Should I get an attorney? And he's not, He he's also smart enough that he doesn't ever incriminate. If you ever watch, like, the first 48 how they'll start asking hard questions and the suspect will immediately go like, I'm not going to say anything without an attorney. And they'll be like, what do you need an attorney for? If you don't have anything to hide, you don't need an attorney. They're like, I got nothing to hide. Like, all right, well then tell us what you were doing. And then the suspect folds, you know, they're just classic police tricks. He, he He's too smart. He's not going to fall for any of that shit. And they know it. He knows it, but they also like him. Police officers. Like, again, he's a lawyer kid. They like that shit. Well, it's essentially a sociopath talking to a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Good point. You know, yeah, there's a lot of so while they're searching his apartment, and he's being held. They find a guide to Colorado ski results with check marks on different areas of the maps, which suspiciously includes one by Wildwood Inn, which is where Karen Eileen Campbell was taken earlier that year. They also find a brochure from Viewpoint High School's play Bountiful, Utah, which is where Deborah Kent had been abducted. And police still think they don't have enough evidence. They're not even putting these things together yet. Release Ted back in to the regular world because he talked his way out of it slick. Now, Bundy will go back and say that when they searched his apartments, all they would have had to have done is find this giant stack of Polaroids that he had in plain sight showing off tons of his kills and definitely would have proven that he was the guy that killed all these women. And as soon as he gets out of jail, that's what he's worried about. But he knows that he wouldn't be out had they found that. So he rushes home and destroys all the evidence that he has. Now, cops know after the interactions with him, find the maps and speaking with him, he's, there's something going on with him. Obviously, they don't know that he's a guy that did this, but there's there's no like physical evidence they could have cost him on. But because of the maps and because of, you know, his kind of defensive behavior, they start surveilling him 24 hours a day. Detective Thompson files to the Seattle agency and other detectives to interview Klopfer, which is remember who escaped him and she tells the detectives or that's his fucking god his fucking idiot girlfriend that had kept calling on him right yeah um she tells the detectives that before he moved to salt lake city she discovered objects that she couldn't understand in her house in ted's apartment crutches bag of plaster of paris that he admitted to stealing from a medical supply store a meat cleaver that she had never seen around the house before surgical gloves an oriental knife with a wooden case that he kept in his glove compartment, which I got to imagine is probably like a dagger you would get from the fair. Yeah. You know, like that smaller samurai sword looking thing. Yeah. And a sack full of women's clothing. Now, we remember he was playing the handicapped person role, injured all the time when he ran into women to make himself look harmless. This so. is, you mean the, the dagger, the ja- the Chinese dagger, the women's clothes. It sounded like he was getting ready to try out for... Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. You know? The, he's the original Jack Burton. Yeah. You know, old Jack Burton says, nothing gives you a more erect penis than smashing a young woman's face apart. <laughs> yeah, old Jack, man. That's a great movie. If, well, the, fuck if Ted yeah. Bundy was in that movie, would it be better? Sure. <laughs> he's a pretty good actor. Yeah, I can see that. Ted Bundy is. He's looking slick. 
Uh, not near as handsome as Kurt Russell, though, my friends. No, Kurt Russell. You can think Ted Bundy's as handsome as you want to, but given the Kurt Russell test, uh, fucking F minus uh, every time. Escape from New York, badass motherfucker. Oh, movie. Snake Plissken, bitch. Yeah, buddy. My God. What oh. else was he that was ripping? Kurt Russell? Yeah. Dude's never been in a bad movie. Uh, Bone Tomahawk. That's a, yeah, a that's newer one. Fucking awesome. It's hard to think off the top Overboard. of my head. Overboard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, Kurt Russell's that that dude, man. He's a, he's the GOAT. Yeah. He's the greatest of all fucking time, my bro. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> you went off on a Kurt Russell tangent. Uh, now, Clopper says uh, that while she was dating Bundy, he was always in debt. Uh, even though he kind of had this vibe that he came from prominence, he was going places, he worked, he went to school, and she said that Ted would steal anything of value from anyone. Usually, all the things that Ted had in his house came from somebody else. I'm talking break and entering. Uh, one time, she got the cojones to confront Ted over a new television and stereo system. And Ted snapped, yelling at her, saying that if he if she told anyone about him having them, he would break her fucking neck. Ooh, and boy. she said that Bundy became irate when she proposed cutting her long parted hair into a shorter style, which was she claims. Now, it's easy to go back and say that. But, you know, he had the particular look that he liked in women, which was always long waist length hair. He really I mean, he had an archetype, blonde yeah. hair, light brunette hair, young, buxom. Yeah. Buxom. 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 College. Yeah. College girl. Yeah. Uh, that's what he went for. So she wanted to cut her hair and apparently he lost his fucking mind, came unglued, which makes sense because if he wasn't, you know. And he, you know, he was having violent sex. She said sometimes she would wake up to Ted investigating her body with a flashlight under the covers. Whoa. He always had a luggage in his truck, which was taped halfway up the handle for literally described by Ted better grip. And uh, he he often borrowed it for protection. I was thinking he's like probably lifting up the hood of her pussy and looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say examining your body, like doing a yeah, real. Yeah, like uh, what's that fucking thing called that you stick in there and spread it real deep over the roof? Talking about the pear? Nah, the dude. medieval times they used to show the thing up there that looked like a pear, and they would open up, they'd break their hips from from their vagina oh, inside of. It. Yeah. Well, this is like a much nicer version of that. Oh, that like okay. an OBGYN would look inside. OBGYN? YN? I said. You said I. Look, stupid, <laughs> you and you are t- t- like you're in no position to correct me over the medical arts. <laughs> What's OBGYN stand for? I don't need to uh, pussy uh, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Uh come on, guy. But he, he, the spectacle. It's a guy. Whatever. It's the fucking spreader, my bro. Spreader. He's got one of those and he's looking in there with a flash. Master yes, spreader. That's the same thing I fucking <laughs> figured too. Uh the detective confirmed that Ted Bundy was not with Clopfer on any of the nights that the Pacific Northwest victims were taken, nor the day Ott and Nasland were snatched. So that was his alibi, home with my girlfriend. Uh, Clopfer also learned about Bundy's brief engagement with Stephanie Brooks around Christmas of 1973, which is when he's in the heat of trouble, which, of course, remember that he had the separate engagement on the side of a serious relationship. You look like you're on dumb street already, dude. No, I'm not. I'm not done streaking and take my medicine again, but there's a reason for it. What is the reason? Because I just I'm not more likely 
I'll give a sore throat to any bra that comes around. I'll give Did you say broad? I'm <laughs> <laughs> Ted Bunny's rubbing off on me. Yeah, you got to stop that shit, dude. What the fuck? Come here, broad. Yeah, man. What is that shit about? Broad? Yeah. I have no idea. That's what the fuck happened. Is in that the- what you say to a large? Like, yeah, you bitch, you're kind of broad. Or anybody that lives in, or any woman that lives in New York. Yeah, because that, I, yeah, it doesn't make sense. She to fucks me. up the sauce, man. You know? Come so on, we, broad. Yeah. Why'd you, you didn't put any garlic in there, you broad. Yeah. You dumb broad. You didn't even put the pine nuts in the pesto, you can't. <laughs> you know, they, that kind of shit. All right, Lenny. You know, smoking a cigar, wearing a wife beater, got the slacks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dress shoe, but you're just not doing anything. Yeah. But that, you know. Yo, it was a weird time. Well, the, they, they had like those dress shoes for your house. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It was a house shoe, but it was just like a fucking Italian loafer. Yeah, but it was. That's yeah. a weird look, bro. Yeah. It's a weird look. Yeah, it was weird. It was like they had like those stitches. That's sewed that's in. what I always think about. They're talking about when when fucking Trump and those dorks say make America great again. Yeah, that shit looks whack. Your name's Collagio. Like wearing wearing pajama pants with a wife beater and a robe and yeah. loafers, fucking slick back hair. What the fuck is that movie with Steven Seagal where he's in New York and just fucking is going after that dude? But he's got an, he's a fake ass New York accent. Um, Hard to kill, yeah. No, no, no. It's not hard to kill. Hard to kill is the one with uh, it's something under fire. Uh, no, fuck. It's like right after above the law, or around that same time. It's, it's the eighties where he fucking takes a shotgun from the guy in the yeah. liquor store. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is I that mean, not, that's not hard that, to kill. That's everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, man. What's the name of that movie, dude? Whatever, dude. Who cares? We're but, fucking. But uh, yeah. Like, what is it? Alfred Justice. Justice. So there's a part where he gets the dog and he's like, you know how he stops that kid that's selling like sodas and shit? You know, like typical, yes. typical New York shit. Yes, yes, yes. He's like, Yo, he's like, uh, that's a nice dog you got there. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to name him Collagio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I should Give me a from. bottle of waters. Hey, give me a bottle of waters. A couple of seltzers for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rock, give me a seltz. Uh, 1975, <clears throat> Ted Bundy sold the Jonathan Davis beetle to a midvale teenager. The cops, of course, find it again easily and put it right into the impound lot, which is where the FBI dismantled the car to thoroughly search it, which again, we talked about how early they started using DNA samples, even though not the most significant, not, not the most accurate piece of evidence in the seventies. I'm our, I'm a little bit tipsy myself, friend, Good. Uh, not the most accurate of scientific analyses, in the 1970s, they take DNA samples from Carolyn from Karen Campbell's body, and later they find strands of microscopically indistinguishable hair f- taken from Melissa Smith and Carol DeRanch in the Volkswagen Beetle. Now, of course, we know that hair strand identification is not science. <laughs> it's not an accurate way to find things, which, you know. During this time period? P- I mean, period. It's just not. It's got to be now. No. I mean, fuck, you can check your blood sugar by just fucking doing a scan underneath your arm, man. Right, but hair strand analysis is is like a pseudoscience. It's like a hack fucking thing. Is it? Yeah, because there's no way, like, probably uh, if my hair was, like, not bleached like an idiot and... My strand of hair and your strand of hair, they they couldn't they couldn't tell the difference. You know what I'm saying? And there a way to detect how much drugs you use through your hair? I think so, but that's not the same thing. Okay, you you would be trying to say that you are who you are via a follicle of your hair. Yeah, 
But they can't do that. Yeah, because that would just be LSD and cool shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I look like a real Did cool you take acid, man? Hell the fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, all right, listen here, man. Yeah. Well, that's got to be his hair. Yeah, uh, so lab specialists conclude that the likelihood of the three women's DNA are in this car, um, and they, of course, are willing to go to trial and say... The only way that could happen would be by the most insane coincidence of all time. Can't say, hey, this for certain happened. They're not comfortable with that, but they are willing to testify. Yo, it was, it's like one in 10 billion odds that this happened. October 2nd of 1975, detectives put Ted Bundy into a lineup, and he is handpicked by a witness from the Bountiful High School Auditorium incident, which, remember, he got chased off. Now, there's insufficient evidence to link him to Deborah Kent, whose body was never found, but more than enough evidence to charge him with aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault in the Durange case. Only has a $15,000 bell, which his parents gladly pay. He spends most of his time at Klopfer's house in between trials, which is so insane to me. She keeps calling the cops on him. What do you think is going on there? Do you think it's because she's afraid of him? Or there's there's got to be more to it than that, right? Like, couldn't she just easily get a restraining order on him at this point? I think the sex was weird, too, yeah. on top of it. You know, he's stealing shit. That's a great point. That's what I'm trying to get at is like, yeah. so you think that she likes that element. She likes, because when she, you know, if she was really perturbed that much about him stealing shit all the time, she would just bail. Man, I don't, I don't think so. I think about it like the, uh, the, when women are domestically abused. Right. Uh Usually, I mean, even now in the town we live in. Um, so you think of this like a Stockholm syndrome? No, not necessarily. I think that she's trying to get away, but you know, the, the whole like, uh, sec, like non secular lifestyle, being a Christian, like you're you're there to serve a man, and he's a Republican. She's got to be somewhat on that that side of the scale. And so whenever she's calling the police, she's like, "Yo, there's something wrong here." But then yeah. she's also like, "Well, I'm supposed to serve." She's she's probably got like this like this dilemma of I need to turn him in, but then also like I'm supposed to serve him because that's what God want me to do. That's what I'm thinking because of the era that they're in. I mean, TV yeah. dinners, women aren't supposed to really work. I mean, they go to school and shit, but they don't work, you know? Sure. And you got to think about this too. Um, while this trial is going on is that there's still no, uh, there's many detectives and police officers that are certain that all these murders are probably connected by this man. Yeah. However, they still only really have, evidence in aggravated kidnapping and attempted assault in the Durange case. She can ID him. Not for all the other murders. And they want that. They don't have that. So now they want to catch him in the act, basically. So while he's staying with Clawford, they do have the okay. This is another reason I'm thinking to 24-hour surveillance on Ted. So she says that when Ted and her stepped out on the porch to go anywhere, there were so many unmarked police cars starting up. It sounded like the Indy 500. So perhaps she liked the idea that she could keep him close. The police were watching. Maybe she could get some evidence to turn him in more so with. Yeah. I have no idea. It's hard to fathom for me any angle of it. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, it's not a circumstance I've ever been in. So I'm trying to empathize with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But in my mind... It's like, yo, just get rid of this motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Uh, 1976, February 23rd is when the Durant trial started off. Ted's attorney, John 
O'Connell advised Ted Bundy to waive his right to a jury due to the negative publicity in the case, and Ted Bundy agrees with him. It's going to be the, one of the only times that you see this happen. Mm-hmm. On March 1st, after a four-day bench trial, and it took a whole weekend of deliberation, Judge Stuart Hansen Jr. found Ted Bundy guilty of kidnapping and assault. June 30th, Ted Bundy was sentenced to serve a minimum of one year's maximum of 15 years in a Utah state prison. In October, <clears throat> Buddy is Bundy. <laughs> Buddy. I would never. <laughs> uh, Bundy Lloyd. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy Lloyd. Uh, <clears throat> they find Bundy hiding in the bushes of the prison yard with roadmaps, airline schedules, a false social security guard, because they assumed he was trying to escape. He definitely was. They punished him by putting him in solitary confinement for several weeks. Later that same month, Bundy gets stuck with the charge of Karen Campbell's murder by Colorado authorities. After he resisted extradition for a while, uh, he waived the proceedings and got transferred to Aspen, Colorado in January of 1977, which is where Bundy starts practicing to escape he jumps off of his bunk thousands of times all night long as, as like trying to jump as high as he can and land on his feet to toughen his legs up from jumping out of a high window. Oh shit. Yeah. Which you got to think he's wrecking his body. Yeah. But it's kind of smart. It kind of, I'm sure any physical activity that causes you discomfort, if you repeat it over and over again, it gets easier. Yeah. It doesn't hurt as much. So there, there is some merit to that. Like there's not going to be as much shock doesn't mean it's not destroying his body but at the same time if he's used to the impact like and his nerves know what's happening and what's coming and when he's also he's in his 20s right and so in this point so he's still kind of got yeah that motherfucker spry as shit yeah that's wild that's wild shit yeah and of course he's going to become an escape artist but when going back and looking at it he said over the months he noticed a number of op- opportunities to just walk right out of the prison this is what he when he all those infamous tapes where he's talking to Doctor Al Carlisle, who he, that's who he gave all the confessions to by saying, "Well, if he did this, he would have done this." You know, yeah, the third yeah. person. Uh, he said that quite frankly, he thought a great deal about escape, and he didn't know if he had the guts to do it. June seventh, nineteen seventy seven, Bundy gets transported forty miles from Garfield County Jail in Glenwood Springs to Pickin County to go to their courthouse in Aspen for his preliminary hearing. Ted decides that he wants to serve as his own attorney. So they let him go from the normal handcuffs and lady shackles so he could go out and represent himself like a lawyer would. During a recess, he asks to go research his case in the library. And of course, he's approved to do so. He's allowed to use the law books. He is his own attorney. They take him to the library. They lock the doors behind him. The guard goes out to smoke a cigarette. Uh, Windows are open, but they're way high up in the air. The windows are open because it's a courtroom. There's also no reason to think that anyone would have a reason to escape. And then also, it's high as fuck off the ground. Yeah. So, Ted Bundy, been training for this for years, doesn't give a shit. Hits the window. Hold on a second. I'm I'm looking. I'm sorry. So, the order of events is like... There is a guard guarding the front door. Mm-hmm. So I would think even if the guard didn't go smoke, 
the odds of him hearing Ted Bunny jumping floors beneath him. Yeah. You're not going to hear shit anyway. No. So whether he was smoking or not, inconsequential, however he was. So Bunny made that happen. His quote is that the windows were open. The air is fresh and blowing through and the sky was blue. Bunny said, I'm ready to go. Walked up to the window and jumped the fuck out. Honest to God, he just got sick and tired of being locked up. As jumps out of a two-story high window, lands in the bushes below, sprained his ankle. Training didn't help him that much. He's lucky. That- <laughs> yo, yeah, I mean, I guess it probably yeah. did. That's all that happened to him. It's like, yo, if you're going to jump that high, don't land on your feet, bro. Yeah, you, if you're going to, you need to be ready to just like tuck and a, roll. Do a tort. Yeah, you gotta take some roll. of that energy off of your. Yeah, you you gotta, just gotta tuck and roll, bro. Ninja warrior. That Hell shit. yeah, dude! Yeah. You gotta do a front flip. Yeah, like you just want to roll into it, bro. Yeah, like you want to hit. You want your back to hit, and then be ready to wrist lock any cut yeah. that tries to take Hell your yeah. knowledge away. Get locked up. It's me, Ted Bundy Seagal. Uh, sprints to the forest, takes his clothes off, which is the prison outfit, to lose suspicion. And, so he's uh, butt naked. That doesn't lose any suspicion. And he's he's got about an hour window before they even go and check on him. God, so man. of course cops are losing their mind. They set up roadblocks all over the place, and Ted is just headed through the woods, hiking southward onto Aspen Mountain, and he's going to go down the other side. When he gets to the summit, he breaks into a hunting cabin, steals food, a rifle, and clothes. Gets completely redressed so he can scale down the other side. Leaves the cabin the next morning. Spent the whole night up there, which they're not suspecting. They're just looking for him on the roads. They're not following him through the woods. Oh, fucking That's idiots. not what they think they're going to do. Yeah. But it, They're like looking for the easiest option. Well, this guy is obviously not the easiest person. Um, he, he's trying to go down to the town of Crest Butte, which almost sounds like Butt, which I love. I love that when I lived in Colorado, that there was a town almost named Butt there. But. <laughs> And he gets lost in the forest, wanders around on the mountain for two days. There's two trails that would have easily led him to his destination. But as you know, from being back in the woods, especially when there's wind blowing, pine needles, all the shit around, you can't ever find the trail. Either one of those would have taken him to his destination. And he's pretty good at blending in. Uh, on the June 10th, a desperate Ted Bundy breaks into a camping trailer on a place called Maroon Lake, which is just 10 miles south of Aspen, takes food and a jacket. Still lost, he heads back towards the town of Aspen. I don't think he knows where he's going, but then he starts seeing roadblocks. Knows to stay in the woods. Three days after that, just surviving on the trailer food that he stole, he steals a car on the edge of Aspen Golf Course. He's freezing cold, which I know it's June, but Aspen's a high ass. It's a it's yeah. a year round ski resort. It doesn't ever warm up. You're on the top of the Rocky Mountains. Um, he's sleep deprived and his ankle hurts and he's been walking around. He drives his stolen car through the town of Aspen. The police notice him swerving around, pull him over immediately. Of course, know who he is. He's been away for six days. That's all I've done has been searching for them in the car. There's maps of a mountainous area around Aspen that prosecutors were using to demonstrate the location of Carol Campbell's body. Since he was Ted Bundy's attorney, Ted Bundy, he had rights of discovery, meaning that he could see the opposition's hand in terms of evidence. So that's not just a TV thing. When your defendant represents you and they're going to go to court, they are allowed to see everything the prosecutor has. So when you see like law and order, they're like, objection. We didn't see this evidence. We didn't know anything about it. And it gets thrown out. That's why. It's really true. Yeah. So he gets to see everything. Um, so that 
lets police know that he planned to escape and that's where he was headed. He had the maps. He had the resources. It wasn't just like a fly by night thing. He just cold bloodedly like is so smart. Uh, cold blood is the wrong word. Basically, they just learned that he's so smart that he didn't just see an opportunity to escape. He planned for that opportunity to yeah. escape. Um, as soon as he's caught, of course, he's put right back in jail in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. I've been there several times. Beautiful place where his advisors told him, you got to stick this out. The only shot that your dumbass has is to go against it. And if you escape, that certainly proves your guilt. It's a bad look. And when they see how smart and manipulative you are, that's going to be definitely used against you, dipshit. And of course, the defense case against him is weakening as it goes because they keep finding pieces of evidence. Um, I'm sorry, the prosecution's case. They keep throwing out pieces of evidence. Uh, and, And again, this is not just made for TV shit. It's very easy for someone to turn in a piece of evidence that they can. It, it's hard. You know, you always hear the trope of this has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, that's actually not true. But if you want to enter evidence, you have there's a lot of due course that goes for that. It's like, OK, I have this letter that Ted Bundy wrote. You have to be able to prove that he wrote it when he wrote it, where he was at. The 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 burden to prove is on the prosecution, so evidence gets thrown out very easily. Something you think that you got this guy totally sealed up on gets kicked the fuck out of court, even after the jury's seen it. Again, not just a trope. There's times when evidence gets presented, and then they'll throw it out, and the judge has to look at the jury and say, strike that from the record. You have to pretend as a good juror that you never saw that. Because if you let that affect your mind, which I think that usually works out for prosecution because they already fucking saw it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you can make you can go back and pretend you didn't see it. You can say that you do that, but it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, so shit's getting thrown out. Uh, he's always talking with his de- defense attorney. He's helping his defense attorney. Uh, shit's kind of working out for him is what it looks like. Uh, McCod and Ainsworth remark about him a more rational defendant might have realized that he stood a good chance of acquittal and beating the murder charge in Colorado. And they probably would have dissuaded other prosecutors with as little as a year and a half to serve on the Durant conviction. But as Ted persevered, had Ted persevered, he could have been a free man. But the problem with Ted Bundy, and again, I said last time about how when he was going to go to trial and shit, no one ever tested his sanity. He was just so smart and able to do shit like represent himself the way that he spoke and the way that he moved. It was like, this guy's not crazy. He's too smart to be crazy. So no one ever checked to see if he's competent to stand trial. He's so fucking insane. He loves representing himself. He wants to be an attorney. Like I guarantee when he's free, all he does is talk about going to law school what a great attorney he's going to be. And this is his time to do that. And he also remembered that when he went back to law school and all the kids were smarter than him and doing better at school than him. And he really just thought that you could be a lawyer by way of being good at arguing and charming. And he felt like he was better at all the kids at that aspect of it. So he really has this thing in his mind where he wants to prove to the world that you don't need a degree 
or to pass the bar. Part of me wonders too, man, if he planned this out. It was like, man, I, I he just had those sexual fantasies for so long because we talked about you know how young he was when he was having weird shit going on sexually. Yeah. Um, where he was like, I'm gonna do this and I know that it's wrong, but like I also need a backup plan in case shit goes south because I have to act upon my my sexual depravity, you know. And so he probably went to law school just to be able to defend himself, which is a, a sheer sign of fucking being a nut. Yeah, you know that is uh, honestly. I don't think anyone's ever pitched that before. Yeah, and you're probably a hundred percent right because if you've if we've noticed anything as a for sure pattern in Bunny's life now is how calculated he is and how far in advance he calculates things. Yeah, how prepared he is for this shit. Which police just got a taste of with his escape. Listen to this crazy shit with his escape. He he gets a detailed floor plan of the jail from. Someone who we still don't know. I got to assume like a guard or some shit and a hacksaw blade, just a blade from an inmate. Carol Ann Boone, which is a huge Bundy fan, starts smuggling him money, uh, which I'm assuming is for him to exchange with prisoners for shit like hacksaw blades. Yeah. $500 over a six month period. Every night, Ted Bundy starts doing the same shit. He waits until the prisoners are showering. So there's all the commotion in the showers. That's where the guards focus is at. He's not there. He would saw away at the reinforced steel beams in the ceiling. Doing this over the period of six months, he was able to cut a one foot, one foot by one foot by one foot by one foot. So a one foot square hole in the ceiling. So when I say one foot hole, it's a lot bigger than it sounds, but it's still small as fuck. Yeah. It's basically a one foot fucking cube in the ceiling, uh, which would lead it that hole led to a guard's apartment floor which i guess back in the day and maybe still today i don't fucking know because i've never been to prison but guards oftentimes stayed overnight in the prison so they had like their living quarters then that's where he that's where he busted into because you're free to leave on your own accord from there you're not locked in you know what i'm saying you're an employee of the prison you probably you know like a snow days and shit yeah like if my job if we have a snow day um we have we were able to sleep on the premises and get some rest before we have to come back to our shift because if we're right. snowed in then we can't leave, you know. So and then you also get paid for that shit. So that's that's probably the way it works it. That makes sense. You know. But the, these are like straight apartments. Yeah. So I got a feeling that at this prison, which is far away from like normal living. Yeah. I bet people stay there like during the week or some shit. This is probably, this is like probably work like 78, yeah, right? 76. 76. Yeah. And it's probably February. Yeah. Yeah. So cold. And it's, yeah. And it's called, you know, it's probably impossible to travel a lot of nights. Anyway, here nor there, he, he's going to an apartment that belongs to the guards. He loses 35 pounds, which but you've seen Bundy. He's not a big guy. Uh, That's a hard weight to lose, dude. Yeah. He's basically completely fasting and doing cardio to fit through the hole in the ceiling, and he starts exploring it to see his way out. Every like He doesn't rush it. He doesn't just Shawshank Redemption it and think he knows where he's going and jump in and end up in shit. No. He, he crawls through it and then crawls back out night after night, which, dude, I'm, that's a, terrifying to me. Yeah. I'm claustrophobic as fuck. I cannot go in somewhere tight where I can't turn around and come out. Like if I will not, I won't go somewhere where I can only back out, dude. I won't do it. Oh man, what time you did though? And I loved it. <laughs> well, we were in, uh, we were working a tournament in Vegas, and we we're in oh, the Hooters yeah. uh, hotel. We, got, <laughs> we thought the there's too many goddamn people. Which that's where they put us at the stay. By the way, not yeah, our choice. Not the our Hooters choice. hotel. Yeah, it was. It's bad. a piece of shit. 
We we all got on the elevator. And I say all of us. There was like 15 motherfuckers on the elevator. No, dude. Here's what happened. Up, dude. Don't forget this detail because uh, <laughs> we pushed a button for the elevator to come and it stopped. And you like this is a move that I would always make. If there was a lot of people in the elevator, <laughs> I would just say no and wait for the next one. Yeah. But there was like 15 Hispanic people, yeah. like all in like nice party clothes in the elevator. Yeah. And, and they, they showed up. And they're like, hey, and I was like, we'll take the next one, buddy. They're like, no, no. But you're like, yeah, come on, puss. They're like, yeah, come on, come on. They like had liquor and shit. I'm like, all right, fuck. So we get on the elevator and they push the button to head down. And we're on like the eighth floor or some shit. But yo, yo, I'm terrified of elevators, dude. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, I can't, I don't, can't be stuck in some shit like that. Do you that. remember what you said, man? Because uh, we got stuck and you go, if we get stuck, I'll kill everybody in here. And then like all these, like, they fucking huddled. Oh, like, no, no, no. This girl, dude. They gave you yo, some space. Yeah, yeah. No, so it was stuck. But, dude, it was seriously like three minutes, bro. Because yeah. at first I was like, I'm freaking out, man. And you're like, you're like, it's cool, dude. It's cool. Yeah. And like, you can see that they're all kind of getting concerned. And I'm like, no, it's not fucking cool. And like, time keeps going. I'm like, dude, I can't be stuck in a fucking elevator. I can't be stuck here. I can't be fucking stuck here. You know what your break, you know what your breaking point was? What? I whispered, remember the movie Final Destination? And you were like, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. But I do remember, I do remember like the biggest guy was like, yo, calm down. And then I guess you said that, but I was like, I swear to God, if we get stuck in here, I'll fucking kill my way out. And this <laughs> this this girl goes, please don't. And then I'm, a, I'm <laughs> maniacally laughing behind yeah. me, so it's even creepier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're fucking losing your shit. But, dude, like, seriously, 30 seconds after that, the door kicked open, and I was like, holy shit, dude. I, yo, I was losing... Oh man, if that see, I don't know. Like I, I tell people not to take Xanax and shit like that yeah. because uh, you know that that like basically ruined my grandma's fucking life. I ruined mine. Yeah, to yours degree. too. Yeah. Like that's just dangerous, dude. But but if that is what panic, like I empathize when people say like, "Yo, I'm having a panic attack." If that is what it feels like, that shit feels bad, dude. Yeah. Like. If a Xanax could take that feeling away from me all day, dude, I'm fucking pounding them shits. That that shit was that's one of the worst. The only time in recent history that I felt worse than that is one time we went hiking and we got into this cave system, and uh, my friend kept going deeper and deeper, and I was like, "Hey, listen, man, I gotta tell you, dude, like this is all cool. Like, there's a lot of room. Like, there's been a couple times where I squoze through something that I was very concerned." But I'm going to tell you right now, dude, you can do whatever you want to. You can do whatever you want to. I drove. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, if we get to a place where I can't turn around and come back, in other words, if there's a tunnel, we have to get down and crawl. That's okay if it's wide enough to where on my hands and knees I can turn around and come back. But if I have to back out, I'm not doing it, dude. I, and I know exactly what it came from. Yo, so one time when I was a kid... <laughs> we went to this fucking water park. I can't remember where. It was it was a water park, right? In Missouri? Yeah, probably. I don't I don't remember where. I I just blatantly remember this part of it is that I was I was probably 5 or 6 yeah. and all these bigger kids <laughs> clogged up the tunnel slide and someone was like <laughs> I didn't want to go down the tunnel slide first of all. I didn't want to go down any slides but I had been doing it and fucking loving it. Uh-huh. And these fucking kids blocked. They like got together and like held it to where you couldn't go anywhere. Was it blue? I don't remember, dude. Uh, just let me finish my fucking story, all right? Uh, so I'm going down the slide and I get stuck by this like mess of kids, and more people are still coming down and like smashing into me. 
and I, I I have no control of it. I don't. I can't. I have nowhere to go. <laughs> I have nowhere to go, dude. And I'm like, I'm telling. I'm like, let me go. I I remember screaming, let me go at the kids, and they're laughing so hard at it. Yeah. But dude, I lost my shit <laughs> and just start stomping on their fucking faces, dude, and flailing around everywhere. And the person behind me is fucking crying now. And dude, we fucking all fight. They finally let go. We fucking shoot out, and this kid's face is all fucked up, like bleeding shit. And I'm just fucking hysterically. <laughs> Balling, balling. I'll never forget that shit as long as that. That's where my fear of fucking that shit comes from. But dude. I already know where because my grandparents would do this thing. It was just one water slide. Man. Yeah, this was a bunch, dude. Okay, so it had to. Be, it yeah. Okay, this was a bunch because there was like covered and uncovered, huge. There was like one that was fucking huge that was so scary. But it and it was open. It was way bigger than this one. And but it, there was no cover over it. And I was so scared to do it, but I did it anyway, and it was fucking awesome. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I was like hyped up. I was sitting there. I had a flashback too when you were talking about stomping on faces, man. I was on the bus one time, and somebody was like, "I hope your dad dies." I was in fourth grade, Ooh. and it was when he was in can- he had cancer and shit, and he was about to go, you know. And so they said that shit, and I put my hands on both sides of the bus seat and just started stomping his face in the window and broke the window. Yeah. I was like, man, that's what murder feels like. <laughs> like, dude, feels I was ready good. to go to school for that <laughs> shit. Ready to go to the jail for that shit. Dude, that's what, you know, sometimes motherfuckers push you in a certain way. Yeah, man. Like, dude, there's this guy that uh, I loosely say does comedy around Little Rock. He's fucking like, uh, like a paraplegic. Like, what's all right? You know that dude on South Park, Jimmy, that's got yeah. the crutches? Oh, no. Here we go. Okay. So that, that. There's a person that has that type of crutch that like does comedy. It's like like in the same regard. Like all he does, like listen, if you're uh what's the right word? What's the politically correct word? Um uh, Phoebe. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Retard. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. What are we gonna do here, no, man? No, no, no. <laughs> but yo, if you if you're like a a, a dis- disabled type of person and you do comedy, that's awesome. I feel like it could be a great place for you to, to there is something funny there. But if that's all you do, if uh-huh. the only jokes that you have are that, and especially for year after year, if you just have like five minutes of the same, I can't believe that I can't use my legs. Uh, but I thought the dude had like some type of like birth defect. You feel uh, me? Polio. So you can feel like kind of bad for him or whatever. So one time we did a roast, uh, one of my friends that was moving away. And uh, that dude lived with this other Phoebe who like, (laughs) well, this dude has like fake, like fake Phoebe. He's like fake retarded. Like he just (laughs) like, like he has like an act of jokes that he has. Yeah. And just like makes it up. Like it's, 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 it's insane behavior. Yeah. It's absolutely undescribable, which I guess kind of probably makes him retarded. And then uh, he had this wife, dude. Yeah. I'm just, just all flooding back to me. He had this fucking wife. That's like a giant, like bigger than you. Okay. Huge. Uh, and not just like fat, but like big. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the loony bin, the shitty club in town, we used to do open mics at and shit like that. Uh, my wife worked there for a little bit, but like two or three weeks. And he would always go there with her every fucking night. So she would always try to talk to my wife and she freaked Jackie the fuck out. You know what I mean? Cause she's weird as hell. Yeah. Uh, and also married to this guy who sucks. And he's like a he's like a fucking asshole. It's like what's crazy. Like I get that your life sucks, 
but it's real weird for me when someone is like that and then just a fucking asshole you know what i mean um but you know she's always trying to talk to jackie jackie's not having it she's just trying to be nice and get her job done so she starts messaging jackie on facebook messages are some shit like uh your name's jackie that's a cool name i like that name jackie except my mom's name is Jackie, and she sexually and mentally and physically abused me my whole life. She ruined my life. She treated me terrible. And my wife was just like, and what am I That's supposed weird. to do? I was like, yo, you're supposed to delete her. You're supposed to get a restraining order. You're yeah. supposed to get away from this. And she, you know how nice she is to people and shit. Yeah. She's just like, I feel bad. Like, don't, don't, don't feel no, bad. That's how don't you feel get, bad. That's how you get this killed. is murder. Yeah, exactly. She's trying killed. to suck you in. She's trying to cut your body apart. And then uh, anyway, so we have our, a roast of this friend. So it seems like that guy and his wife, the whole him acting like a fucking feed gets women lured in like i feel bad for him let me give him a blowjob but then she's killing him so it's like a dude it's a tag team dude i mean but she's like they're like for sure changing this guy's diaper like 100 percent. like a fish yeah i think Whoa. so but she's like there's something off with her too well, yeah, anyway that's yeah, fucking yeah. Wild. But listen listen so we're gonna do this roast and there's like only a few people that do comedy in town at the time all of them pretty much suck dick it's the it's the fake retard it's the cripple guy, and the cripple guy is like like telling people jokes to tell people, and I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you, I'm like you. If you got all these jokes, like, why don't you just come up and be part of it? You might as well. It'd be cool. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. So we get on stage, right? And I got like a couple jokes about the fake retarded guy. And again, remember, he lives with this guy and his weird wife. And so my joke, one of my jokes to him is like, you guys live in this hell house of three weird fucking cripples like <laughs> how does this like how did this all transpire like, who's in charge like i know that he clearly His wife, well i well listen here's a joke i'm i'm, I'm like what like I, i'm let me just figure out your roles because i know that he's crippled he uses crutches he can't walk he's paralyzed you have some weird fucking ticks that can't be explained i think they're fake but what's going on with his wife Does she just have munchausen disease as in she munches all the food in the house. <laughs> and so that, that's like a dumb little joke. The, the roast keeps going on. It's like another hour. We get done. This dude crutches up to me and goes, Don't you ever talk about my wife again. And tries to push me. Dude, top 10. That's probably the number one funniest thing that's ever happened to me before. But is he, but okay so well for one he can't push me he can't break away from his crutches to push me because he, he has is. to like put he has to like lock his elbows into his crutches to try to fucking two hand push me no we're talking the fake feeb right no no the real one oh my <laughs> yeah 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 God. yeah that's what I'm saying he has to lock his elbows into his crutches to push me right now listen listen if keep in mind at this time i i actually feel bad because i'm like yo this dude's had a hard life mm -hmm. you know uh he was probably born this way and 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 after this happens he starts being a shithead to like he's yelling at people like we're trying to get him into like people are trying to get him away from it into a car i'm it's a i'm just it's hilarious to me you know what I mean? I'm having a great time. But, yo, yeah. he tells one of my friends that, that has kids. He's like, I hope your friends, I hope your kids get raped. And everyone's like, what the fuck is this dude wilding out? And then all he's got to do is get in the listen, fucking car. Listen, yeah, exactly. The, yo, the handicap spot's right there. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Listen, listen. 
So after it happens, someone comes inside and is like, that guy is such a fucking asshole. He's been an asshole his whole life. Do you know how he ended up like that? And I'm like, no, how did he end up like that? She's like, okay. He was at a high school football game and he told a kid whose fucking dad was dying. I hope your dad fucking finally dies tonight. And the kid beat him up. And that's how, that's he how he got feed. Like that. That's how he got. He deserved it. Is what I'm getting at. That, yeah. And he didn't learn. He didn't learn from it. Yeah, man. How do you not learn? Hey, listen, <laughs> I thought we were about to go south here for no, a second. No, dude. I was fuck like, that guy. Chris just dropped it down and said, "You know what, man? <laughs> fuck the Special Olympics." I should have head kicked him, dude. I should have kicked him in the head. Man. I should have just blast. <laughs> you you would have killed him. Yeah, good. <laughs> You would snap him like a fucking toothpick. <laughs> yeah, yo. Is I don't he even, skinny? What do you, how do we even get in? Yeah, he can't, can't, well, keep, he of, can't put nutrition into yeah. his body. Well, you got into it because that kid told me he wished my, my dad would die. Right. Yeah. You can't say shit like that, dude. Dude, I wanted to kill You can't say shit like that. I was that. in like second grade. I tried to stomp. That's what, yo, that's what I'm saying is like, if you're in, if you're a school aged kid, eat all the way up to high school and someone says some shit like that to you and your yeah. dad is dying. Do you, you can't get in trouble. Let me put it. You this can't way. get in trouble for that. That's insane. You I can't say that that's, that's serial I killer. Stomp that kid's face. In if you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have done that, yeah. he would be Ted Bundy. Well, I stomped his face into the fucking window. It yes. cracked. He, and then <laughs> yes. he was knocked out. And so whenever he hit the, I dragged him out to where his head was flat on the seat. And I just started stomping both. Hell feet yeah. on his head. <laughs> I tried to fucking wreck his shit. But dude, as, as crazy as that sounds, that if that's Ted Bundy, you yeah. you stopped the Ted Bundy, because if you're a kid and you can say some shit like that, your dad's dying. I hope your dad gets yeah. finished off or whatever. Yo, man, this is our right when they started putting in like I guess they may have had like fucking cameras on the bus and shit. Right. But I got called to the office because and sure. the cops were there. I mean, you have killed and kid. they were like, dude, they were like, uh, they're like, what happened? And I was like, he told me that he wished my dad would die, and he's 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 about to die. Yeah, he's like absolved. And so like he called some no other problem. people that was on the bus and shit, and they like backed it up. You yeah. Know? So they were like, well, yeah, I mean, what can you do? I mean, like now you would go to jail for that shit. Maybe, for sure, maybe, you know? maybe. Not you would because that shit dude that, that's just so far over the line bro. my bus driver gave me like just because they felt so bad for me he gave yeah. me this fucking like liquor bottle that was a lamp <laughs> it was like a lamp and then there's where tight that's where it yeah he already knew you were cool <laughs> yeah he's like yeah this gets fucking cool yeah man don't drink the light <laughs> back to fucking bunny time you know it's funny he's clicking and crawling around this pipe which you gotta think is making a ton of noise even though there's showers and shit going on but dude if you work in a prison at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? You know what yeah. I mean? So guards aren't going to check that out. Oh, something's pinging and panging. I don't fucking care. I don't want to watch these men try to fuck each other in the well, shower. Well, they do that all the time, that. though. You know, it's like, especially when you get like a new, you get a new fish into the jail. You know, you're <laughs> fucking, fish, fish. You know, I'm like, not a fish. I'm a person. That's a homo tight. sapien. No, <laughs> that's a tight butt. You know, they're fucking banging away with their shoes and shit on the. Yeah. Woo. Come oh, here. Pig. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. So, all right, late 1977, uh, Bundy's trials coming out in the news and shit, you know, which it, it, Aspen's a pretty small community. Uh, the people in Aspen, are they want blood. They want Bundy to pay for this shit, and uh, they want him off the streets. They want to make sure that he's locked away for as long as possible and that everyone is safe. They want to make sure that fucking justice is served. I mean, it's, uh, you know, surprisingly... Back then, Colorado was a pretty fucking red state. You know, it's essentially like the Wild West at the time. 
Uh, Bundy files a motion to change venues to Denver so he could get a fair trial. Uh, that way, you know, the people of Aspen can't predeterminedly judge him based on their love of the community. Now, December 23rd, they grant him a request to transfer, but instead send him to Colorado Springs, where juries had been historically hostile to murder suspects. On the night of December 30th, most of the jail staff was out on Christmas break, and nonviolent prisoners were on fucking furlough to go spend Christmas with their families, which sounds pretty tight. If you're a nonviolent offender, you can just go home. Bundy piled books and files on his bed and covered them in a blanket to mimic the shape of his sleeping body, hoisted himself through the tiny one foot by one foot by one foot by one foot hole in the ceiling and climbed into the crawl space. He kicked a hole in the ceiling, which brought him through the chief jailer's floor who was out of town with his wife. He steals the clothes out of his closet and walks right out of the front door steals a car that's been left running out front of a prison for fuck's sake and speeds eastward to the town again of Glenwood Springs. What's hilarious is the car that he stole broke down in the mountains of Interstate 70, which is hard as hell uh, to drive as it is. It's sketchy territory. It's got to be cold as all hell. He starts hitchhiking. A passing motorist picks him up. Again, he's clean cut. He's wearing the fucking warden's clothes. You know, I'm sure he looks fine, like a completely trustworthy person they give him a ride into Vail, which is 60 miles east and that's when he catches a bus to denver which he's allowed to board a flight in the morning of december 31st to chicago that's how much airlines did not give a fuck before 9-11 his absence in the prison is not noted until afternoon 17 hours after he's got away which he's already in fucking chicago 1150 miles away now once he gets to chicago he he tries to keep his travel low-key he travels to ann arbor michigan stops at a local tavern on january 2nd drinks a beer while watching his alma mater university of washington football team defeat michigan in the rose bowl tells everyone in the bar that uh he's happy that his old school university of washington wins which that's not going to ring any fucking bells again the only way news travels in the 70s is by television and newspaper not necessarily everyone reads that and also it's not like they would know that the ted bundy people are looking for in colorado fucking went to the university of washington five days after being in ann arbor he stole another car, and now he's going to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where he ditches the car and takes a bus to Tallahassee, Florida. It's now January 8th. Bundy rents a room under the name Chris Hagen at a boarding house near the Florida State University campus. Go Knowles. Knowles? Yeah, Seminoles. Blah, blah, Seminole wind. Okay. I don't know what that is. A Seminole? It's a Native American tribe. Oh yeah, I know what that is. But yeah, so yeah. okay, so Florida State University Seminoles, my bro. Oh, I'm out of touch with sports. You are even more out of touch with sports. Salute. Yeah. I played though. <laughs> I played. <laughs> All right, Al Bundy. Hey, we bro. get it, bro. We get it, man. I played ball this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you, bro? Uh, yeah. How'd that go? Do you score I, uh, a touchdown on yourself? Yeah. <laughs> All I over. I pulled my fucking bag out and <laughs> tossed it around a little bit. Yeah, good for you, man. <laughs> now, he said that he wanted to take legitimate employment, get an actual job, not steal shit, 
not do any crimes so he could stay under the radar of cops. He abandoned the only job that he may have been given at a construction site when they wanted him to produce identification. Makes sense. You can't let him know you're Ted fucking Bundy. So he's pretty good at stealing shit, and he just starts shoplifting and taking credit cards out of purses and shopping carts in grocery stores. And boy, oh boy. Just imagine you're Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, you have completely flim-flammed, horn-swindled, hog-swaggled the system. Yeah. You fucking shaked and baked, shucked and jive. You did it. You got out. You went states away. Now, again, in Uh, the fucking... Many times. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For the second time. And also, in the 70s... If you get from Florida to Colorado, it's going to be a long time until someone figures out who you are. There ain't no unsolved. No one has kidnapped John Walsh's son yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no unsolved mysteries. There's no America's most wanted. There's no fucking cops. You're in the clear. And furthermore, you could easily slip down to Cuba, Mexico, whatever you want. You're a smart man. Mm-hmm. You're good looking. You can steal with the best of them. You can make it happen. You could do it. But you get too big of a boner for one particular thing. And when you're smack dab in the middle yeah. of one of the most attractive school campuses of all time, it's so hard. Is there colleges back in other countries? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That is a fucking take over the millennium right there. You piece of shit. That's terrible what you said, but goddamn, is it funny? Now, can't keep that boner in those fucking little shorts for too long. 2.45 a.m. January 15th, 1978. Ted Brundy breaks into the Chai Omega sorority house via a faulty lock on the back door. In other words, their lock don't work. He just opens it, walks through the house on the way, Ted Bundy style, never knowing for sure exactly what he's going to do. He notices a fireplace with a big old piece of oak firewood sitting Uh. in the house, walks right into Margaret Bowman's room, beats the 21-year-old Margaret Bowman with the oak so violently that she is virtually unrecognizable while she sleeps, then kills her with a nylon stocking, chokes her all the way to death. Next, somehow, this roommate didn't hear it, enters the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, beats her unconscious with the oak log, strangles her with the pantyhose, and bites so hard he tears off one of her nipples bites a huge chunk out of her ass and rapes her with her hairspray bottle. Wow. Again, he's could have gotten away with it. Was he fashioning her pubes? Now's not the time, friend. Now's not the time. It may not be, but I'm thinking. Aquanet? Hairdresser. <laughs> he goes to the next room. <laughs> this is why you can't drink Everclear, dude. This is why. I'm not even doing this. <laughs> he goes to the next room, finds Kathy Kleiner, smacks her in the face of the log, which shatters her jaw, lacerates her shoulder, and also finds in the same room Karen Chandler. She got smacked, suffered a concussion, broken jaw, lost most of her teeth, and got a crushed finger for her trouble. Kathy Kleiner describes seeing only the silhouette of a man with a club. And... 
as she saw this, a car pulled into the driveway to drop a girl off in the house. She sees him disappear and flee away. Tallahassee detectives used that time frame to determine that the four beatings took place in less than 15 minutes, all with an earshot of 30 witnesses that heard nothing at all. How drunk? They're drunk. That had to be. How do you not hear someone get smacked to death with an oak log? That's a Tallahassee hairline. (laughs) You know, think about it, man. You fucking think about it. Yeah. You want to do the work you want to do. You fashion some pubes. Is <laughs> it the old fucking Elvis comb over on some pubes? I think that's what really is the the key here. That's what he's into. Compador. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'll just let you ride on that, dude. Uh, so, Buddy Holly style, man. Just fucking. Oh man. The plane crashed. He had to like pubes, right? Because he likes like a real traditional look. Yeah, I mean that like it's not very Republican. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people views. started shaving at this time yet. No, because that's like an ad campaign, right? Like the whole reason that women started shaving all their pubes off was like some slick shit that Gillette pulled or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Or, I got, or it turned into like where it's like, man, you know, naturally women need this, but then like it got to where it was just got super American. They're like, I like my women bald as an eagle. <laughs> and let me soar into it's that. It's like a porn thing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the aesthetic of it. But yeah, you know, I mean, you're completely correct. Yeah. Uh, I, no, you're not completely correct. I just said that to say that. I don't think he was styling her pubes. I think he was just doing some violent shit. Hey, look, let's fucking drop the whole thing. I don't care about her pubes anymore. Keep the sex so he, he leaves. He leaves the house, uh, you know, which again, look, bud, you broke away with it free and clear. You're fucking out of there, my guy. Yeah, it's not enough for him. He breaks into a basement apartment eight blocks away, which is another Florida State University student named Cheryl Thompson. Buddy beats Bundy beats her, dislocates her shoulder, fractures her skull and jaw in five places, a veritable skull fracturing nightmare. Thomas is left with deafness and equilibrium damage that ended her dance career, which is what she was going to school for. She was a great dancer. Police found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask containing two hairs that were, you know, pseudoscienced into being similar and as Bundy's in class and characteristic. <sighs> you know, that's a night. That's a night right there. And uh, again, that's a regular- that provides you, my friend, ample opportunity to just go to Cuba. You're out, bro. You're out. February 8th, he drives 150 miles east to Jacksonville in a stolen Florida State University van. It says Florida State University on the van. He finds 14-year-old Leslie Parmenter in a shopping center parking lot. He claims to be Richard Burton Fire Department in a Florida State University van. Her older brother sees them talking, and Bundy runs away from the brother threatening to beat his ass. Now, he heads back where he came from uh, just 60 miles though not the whole way and the next morning 12 year old kimberly diane leach is reported missing from lake city high school seven months later her partially mummified remains were found in a pig farrowing shed near swanee river state park which is just 35 miles northwest of lake city in other words back towards where he came from they mummify with uh, hairspray look man <laughs> Hairspray's got to be pretty... like back You then, are just going to keep hitting on that. I mean, you could preserve some shit, that hairspray back then, dude. 
Like your brains, because it seems like you've been huffing hairspray tonight. I not tonight, but I've done it before. Hairspray, some VO five. You yeah. are the fucking huff master, bro. I huffed a lot. You're. I'm gonna start calling hey, you Huffy. You're a Huffy Road my grandpa, Master. My, whoa, my grand, <laughs> my grandma, my grandma fucking had some VO five hairspray from the seventies, and this was the late nineties. Yeah. I ripped. <laughs> It still had aerosol hey, in it. Yeah, man. You got that good aerosol. This was when Sam's Club started coming to town. I got the Sam's Club bag, and I forgot it took it away. That frontal lobe don't work, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because it doesn't fully develop till you're 25. Yeah. You are dumb. The following morning, uh, three days later on the 15th, around 1 o'clock in the morning, Ted Bundy is stopped by Pensacola police officer David Lee close to the Alabama state line after he registered his beetle as stolen. As he was being arrested, he swept Lee's legs and attempted to run away. Damn. Sweep the legs. I love to hear that, dude. <laughs> like, he just full-on <laughs> fucking karate kidded his ass, dude. <laughs> just straight up fucking yeet. Sweep the legs. Tried to hit him with that fucking sweep, dude. And I knew, like, you, you know, when you were a kid and you heard that the first time and somebody's like, I'll sweep your legs. You were fucking horrified of what that was. <laughs> you're like, man, that's how you kill. That's how you, I mean, that's how the fuck you kill an animal. True. Just sweep their legs, man. You <laughs> like, put them on their back, they're fucked, bro. <laughs> fuck, dude. That mountain, that's what happened to that fucking mountain lion, dude. That young mountain lion fucked up. Uh, here's how it failed is by clamping on. And he put the he put it on its back and it it, it, it wouldn't let go of his arm. Yeah. So he was able to crush his throat because it got too hungry for yeah. it. Man. What's wild as fuck is that dude was from Arkansas. Yeah, Mountain Home, dude. That's wild. Yeah. That's cool though. He did not, yo. Let me debunk right now. He did not jujitsu that cat to death at all. Okay. That was like a th- like a narrative, but no. I maybe the guy may have trained it, but he didn't bring that shit up at all. He mm. fucking crushed its three. He smacked it a bunch with a stick, got it to roll over, and then used its fucking foot to stomp it and bust its fucking windpipe open. And it died, still latched onto his arm. So he was able to turn it over because it was latched onto his arm. That's you know hard, man. That's mountain home martial arts. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that is hard. I mean, you know, it's just you get attacked like that, and what do you do? Like your body's gonna respond one of two ways. Yeah. Fight or flight, or or just I mean more. I mean the flight in this case would just be to give the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, he fucking sweeps this cop's legs like he's Guile from Street Fighter. (laughs) Lee fires two warning shots. Ends up catching Ted. They fight over his gun, and he arrests Bundy. In other words, he was on his back, shot at Ted while he's getting away. He's able to catch up to him, beats up Ted Bundy, and then arrests his ass. Now, another hilarious thing is that. The car that Ted Bundy stole to get out is a fucking Volkswagen Beetle. Stop. Just quit. That's the thing about like a psychopath like this is there are little stupid ticks that they got to keep doing over and over. And I don't catch them. What yeah, color was him? Tan. Just like the one he had before. Yeah, right? man. They found three IDs in his possession that were carried by different FSU students. 21 stolen credit cards, a stolen TV set and dark rim non-prescription glasses. Uh, th- th- those were used as a disguise he used by Richard Burton Fire Department in Jacksonville, which he was identified by the young girl and her brother, uh, unaware that he had apprehended Ted Bundy. Lee heard Ted mumble, I wish you had killed me. Now, months go by and Ted Bundy won't admit to who he is. So he he wants to know why he was arrested 
he's trying to dispute that, <clears throat> you know, like he had no reason to pull me over. They're like, well, now you're facing these charges. You got the stolen credit card, stolen TV. You got into it with the officer. He won't admit their name. So they can't even get to the part where they hit him with charges for that. They just keep trying to press him and press him and press him. And he won't even tell them their name. So he gets just being basically held in contempt of court until he says the identity. Eventually it gets figured out. By, by uh, basically, he has told someone in the jail that he is Ted Bundy and word gets back around to him. They're able to put a name to the face, um, figure out exactly who he is. Uh, and then he gets taken to Miami for the Chai Omega home murders. Um, that's June of 1979 that he's going through that. The trial was obviously a huge media deal because, you know, serial killer at this time, you know, there's Charles Manson. Um, Edmund Kemper, Edmund Kemper, um, Ridgeway. Gary Ridgeway didn't get caught till later. Okay, but put your face closer to the mic for yeah. one. I can't hear you. Sorry, but uh, yeah, there, but yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of of serial killers. It's a new phenomenon, obviously. So it's one of the biggest events in television, national news history. Twenty five reporters from five different continents come to America to cover this. This is the first trial to be nationally televised in America. Now he's got five court appointed attorneys, but of course his ego takes control and he wants to handle most of his defense. Everyone that worked with him basically says he sabotaged it. And it it was his delusions that really led to that. Now it was easy to just say, you know, his ego would not let him, let other people take the wheel. He liked to show off. He liked to be for voice in the courtroom. He liked to show off in front of the cameras. All that's true. All that's very true. However, he was fucking delusional, man. He really thought he was the best attorney in the world. Mm. He, no lie, thought he was going to talk his way out. Yeah. I mean, 100% believed it. No matter how much evidence he was confronted with, to the fucking grave thought he was going to get out in of this a lot, in, a, in every way possible. This changed the way uh, people, A, murdered yeah, and hunted murderers. Because serial killers will look at, most of them know they have an impulse to kill. So they know what a serial killer. They know that what they are. So they can research these other people that were doing that shit. Right. And then they also understand like how they caught them and do all this stuff. So they have to change it up. That's why, like, that guy that was a hitchhiker that was killing a lot of people uh, along the highway, I can't remember his name, the most recent one. Uh, that's why he was able to get away with it for so long. I'm sure he studied. I mean, it's got symptoms, you know? It's, yeah. it's uh, But it changes. It's it's really weird. I mean, every major business in the world where somebody is the head of a corporation, you can almost guarantee that they're a fucking sociopath. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we talk about that all the time, dude. Yeah. I mean it's it's a uh, it's something that I bring up often because it's more prominent than you think it is. Yeah. I mean you just have to think if it's something if if you don't believe us and uh you know, obviously we're no expert in anything. No. But the way it always has made sense to me that a psychopath a psychopath, a sociopath gets to the head of the company. Just two quick ways to tell you is like one just think about how much you have to step on people to get into even like middle management at your job. Like how many times is the person it like if you have worked alongside somebody that's rose their way through management, the case normally is that that person is the most gossiping, uh, is in everybody's business, 
tells on people but plays it cool like they don't tell on people to your face yeah like you know for a fact they tell on people but then they act like your friend to your face but in the same breath you think oh they wouldn't tell on me but they definitely do but here's what's stupid about that is that jobs kind of create that environment yes well dude like people like you and me where we're like i don't like that motherfucker right and they're like well don't tell him that you no, know? and it's like that. we want to, yeah. you know. Dude, we can't. I, I can't. I've sabotaged my life a countless amount of times because yeah. I can't. I can't be like that. I can't tell on people. If I see someone do something that I don't like and that I think is wrong, I just go tell them. Man, you know how many times I've been right at my job, and then they're like, "Don't be like that. Don't do that." And then like they get fucked, and they're like, "Oh no, we don't have anybody for this position." It's like, yeah, I try to tell you guys. I try to tell you. That's what the fuck was going to happen. But I feel like everybody at every level of every job can empathize with what we're saying. Middle management, yeah. upper man, always psychos, always yeah. crazy, will always shit on you. Like, I can think of people right now that it seems like are my friend that would, like, for sure take a shit on me to just yeah. get, like, another dollar an hour. Well, <laughs> everybody's job where you have somebody up in upper management, they don't uh, communicate well with each other because they all have egos. Yeah. For sure. And so you're Always. like, it's a mess. Management class Upstairs, it's a mess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I would talk more, you know. Yeah, and, yo, and it is like a setup. But, yo, I'm just saying, like that, like, that, it, like, just think about the person we're talking about, the smuggest, and also to some people nicest, but you can just feel that vibe of, of fakery. That person is the person who climbs to the top, man. That's the type of personality you have to have to succeed in the system. So, therefore, if they don't turn into Ted Bundy... They turn, they turn into Donald your Trump. fucking boss. Yeah, exactly, dude. Uh, so, yeah, he's on trial. And, you know, he's facing murder, most likely the death sentence. And the only thing he gave a shit about was being in charge of the whole thing. He even gets offered 75 years with the possibility of parole pre-trial in a plea bargain if he would have just pled guilty to killing Levi, Bowman, and Leach. He thinks about it for a second but then refuses because that way he could he could not deal with taking the the show that was happening away from him being the star defense attorney and having the very, very small possibility of winning the case and proving to everyone that he didn't do anything. He just could not bend down and tell the whole world that he was guilty. He couldn't do it because he always felt like he had a chance if he was just allowed to talk. Uh, during the trial, there was some seriously crucial evidence that came from the tri Omega, Chi Omega sorority members that placed Bundy in near the house, clutching an oak log. Exact description. Finger pointed out. Eyewitness account. That is major fucking evidence. The uh, bite on Lisa Levy's butt cheek. That was the nail in Ted Bundy's coffin. A forensic odontologist named Richard Sovrian, which again, this is controversial science. And another guy named Lowell Levine matched the impressions on the butt to Ted Bundy's teeth, which Ted Bundy had fucked up teeth. Everyone's always like, yo, this guy's so handsome. I can't believe he did it. For one, let's take a look at that unibrow. Yeah. For two, yo, those teeth are fucked up, hey, son. The story of how he they had to make him bite down on all that shit to test it is wild as fuck because they were just like, hey, we're going for a ride. And he's like, what the fuck? He starts freaking out because he's used to where he's at. Yeah. And then they sit him down in the back of like some kind of fucking truck or some shit, I think. I'm not sure, but they're like, yo, you can do this, you know, willingly, or we're going to use these. And they just lay out all these different tools Hell to yeah. pry somebody's teeth open. Hell you know? yeah. And he's like, well, you can't do that because you don't have this. He's like, no, I've got a warrant. 
That's fucking cool. That's man. hard. Yeah, you got to that's long. I, man. Dude, anything I can hear about this dude getting stomped up, I like. Yeah, I love to get a sweet, sweet fucking taste of it. I love to get a fucking sweet, sweet taste of it. Now, this squirrely ass bitch. Uh, the, the jury. I'm. I mean, look. Watch the Ted Bunny tapes. Just it's good. Yeah, I, I normally don't recommend documentaries. This shit's good. Um, I thank our lucky stars. We were going to do this, and it came out at the same time. That's yeah. help, that helps us. So, you know. Thanks, universe. Tight. Yeah. Appreciate the way things lined up. But, yeah, I mean, dude, definitely watch it. Well, I mean, we take different paths, and we do our own shit. You wouldn't hear about a fucking crippled comic getting stomped up if it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not mad at it. Just take a look. Because we can talk about some boring trial shit when they do a way better job of laying that out. That's just real shit. Um. So the jury deliberates for less than seven hours before they convict Bundy with a death penalty, death penalty in Florida, July 24th, 1979 for the Bowman and Levy murders, three counts of attempted first degree murder for the assaults on Kleiner, Chandler and Thomas and two counts of burglary. The trial judge, Edward Coward, hilarious name, imposed death for the murder convictions, which if you watch the Ted Bundy tapes, he basically fawns over Ted Bundy. He likes him a lot. He doesn't want to do it, but he kind of has to. He just thinks he basically tells him like, dude, you could have been a great attorney. What you did, uh, you didn't know the law, but the way you argued and shit, you could have been the guy, but you fucked it all up by doing this shit, which is like, you basically should just tell him to drink piss and eat shit. Don't stroke his ego at all. Six months later, he gets convicted of Leach's murders in Orlando due to an eyewitness account of Bundy leading Leach to a stolen van with the FSU markings on it, along with a fiber match from Bundy's clothing from her and the van. Around December, Bundy finds this Florida loophole, which allows him to propose to Carol Ann Boone, who had been giving him money, on the stand because of the presence of a judge. So he is in trial, asks her to get married. It's a Florida loophole. Again, hilarious. I don't want to give Ted Bunny credit, but that shit is fucking hilarious. Yeah. He found, he looked in books so hard, he was like, oh, look at this. I could get married in the middle of my trial because I found this fucking little gimmick. I mean, you it's weird because he's like dumb, but he's smart. Oh, he's smart as shit. And it's, it's not that he's dumb. This is just something for you to think about, um, person, is that your ego can annihilate you. Because this guy is so smart, but because of his ego taking the wheel all the time, he does such ignorant shit. Yeah. He can't tell himself no. Uh, but this shit's funny. So he brings her in because he's defending himself as a witness, puts her on the stand, asks her a few questions, one of which, will you marry me? She says yes. And then he pronounced that they were legally married. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? It's hilarious, dude. On February 10th, 1980, uh, Bundy gets his third sentence to death by electrocution. Uh, which in, And that is when he finally had his outbreak. When the jury's out of the room, the judge tells him, tell the jury they're wrong. Famous thing. Um, and, and you know what? I don't understand... You know, Carol Ann Boone claims, and he's got the daughter, Rose Bundy, which, by the way, you should just leave the hell alone. You know what I mean? She didn't fucking. She didn't ask to be born. That's she correct. didn't especially ask to be born by that motherfucker, you know? Yes. And, you know, the, the whole sad shit about that is, like, again, negligence in the, in the fucking criminal system and that the, the prison guards gave such 
little fucks, you know what I mean? That they just let them think have about, sex with each other to the of, point. Yeah, man, that's what I'm sitting there thinking is like, yo, so like they straight up fucked in a conjugal visit. I No, dude, that's what I'm saying is that they didn't have conjugal visits on death row. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like, what am I trying to say? It, it, like conjugal visits means that they allow the prisoner to have sex with their fucking wife. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That that is not what happened. Okay. The prisoner, the prison guards overlooked them having sex. They knew it was going on. They didn't give a fuck. Dude. I mean, think about this, man. The, the, the fucking mom is like, yo, I'm going to get pregnant so I can get all this attention. Yes. Like that's, there's something wrong with her. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, we could at some point do an episode all on people that marry serial killers, but that's its own. There's like a profile of person that fits that and a certain craving that they have, you know, that shit's not good. However, if you're a woman, do whatever the fuck you want to. But what sucks is that you brought a child into the world and marred, like, you, you didn't give him a fair shot at life. You know what I'm saying? That dude had dead vagina on his dick at one point in time, and then you got impregnated by it. Right. That is fucking nuts. That is nuts. Yeah, for sure. You think about the speculation of how many people he really killed. Right. You know, it, in the in the triple digits, he yes. he he himself. Said, Some people think as high as three hundred and fifty. I mean, it could be. Yeah, because I mean, you just have, you know, you have no because like like we said at the first episode, just wrapping it all up, is that you you really have no idea because you you've got different types of serial killers. You know, Richard Ramirez over exaggerated what he did. Yeah, BTK. Uh, didn't want to take credit for some of the things he did. Didn't want to take credit for some of the things he did. Um, you know, uh, what's the... F- I always... Uh, Oddest Tool and... Uh, fuck, I can't think of his name. The dude from the Integrity Sample. Um, no, uh, no, no, it's Henry... Uh, Henry Lucas. Henry, Lu- Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Greatly, greatly, greatly over-exaggerated what he did. So, you have all these personalities that kill people. There's no way to to narrow down and say... What's the name of the 12-year-old girl he killed? Bundy. He killed a 12-year-old girl. Too. Right. I, I, I couldn't tell you right now. Um, But he... He, I mean, he. One of them was the one that was mummified. That that was one of his later kills. Yeah. And there was another one. The one that he didn't admit to was up top. So he basically sandwiched it between. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. What what you see a lot with a lot of serial killers, they don't want to admit to hurting children. Because yeah, they, like, and among, I I honestly think at yeah. the end there, he was just trying to get his hands on whoever he could. Yeah, you know, I I think he knew he was going to get caught because he wasn't fleeing the country and just tried to to get in as much as he could. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many more murders can I get? Anybody that's in school. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Kimberly Diane Leach. Yeah. I mean, that shit's sad, dude, of of course. But it's just like the Ted Bundy, it, the, the way that his, you know, he never straight up confessed. He he went third person on, on his essential confessions. He never copped to what he did. So... In se- like the the reason third, that, the reason person. that they have three hundred and fifty people yeah. is uh, <clears throat> that's how many like unsolved murders in his trajectory. Like these are murders that were in areas that he was at that he maybe could be connected to. There's no concrete proof, and he didn't he didn't brag about what he did. Yeah. So there's no you're right, there's no way to know for sure. And that's what's, that's to me what's most interesting about the Ted Bundy case is not not that he was like 
I mean, it is crazy that he was like, could have definitely been a rich person. Yeah. He definitely could have had a successful life had he not gone this way. Uh, for sure. For sure. Because he's, he's the right type of psychopath. But uh, it just took over him. He became that. And I think he was just so detached from reality that uh, honestly, towards the end, I really don't think that he believed that he did anything. I I, I wonder, too, his, his detachment for reality and then like speaking in the third person uh, and being a Republican, I wonder if it had anything to do with the Trinity. You know, eh, maybe he know, thought of himself as God in one aspect. I mean, he did become super Christian. So, you know, listen, um, we're getting long-winded about this, but yeah. but that's our that's that my main conclusion and definitely add yours in too, buddy, is that the reason why Ted Bundy is so fascinating is because he could have had it all. Yeah. He had the looks, the brains. He was already also on the path to being a, a lawyer. Yeah. Like this guy essentially had what you would think of the American dream came from very humble beginnings an abusive childhood grew out of it, but then just went the wrong way. And, and like I said, I think when they put him to death, when he was fighting the appeals, I don't think there's any way that he stood with the confidence that he did in court as defending himself. If he, he I don't think he could have done that if he didn't legitimately believe he was innocent. I really think yeah. he believed, I don't think that I think he was so gone that he thought he didn't do that shit. It, it, when uh, when you watch Ted Bundy tapes, yeah. the part where he comes off the elevator and the guy's reading to him like what he did and what he's being served with, yeah. and, but he's like, of course you can speak, but I can't. He's like, that's right, you can't. Yeah. That's a battle of wits, and it's also a battle of two sociopaths. That guy's trying to get you know elected for whatever, yeah, you know what that right. that kind of thing. But when you watch Ted Bundy, you can kind of see him go. Um, you you could almost believe you could believe him to a degree if you had never seen anything else about him and you watch that part you could be like oh yeah I'm an innocent man and of course I can't talk because this is all about you getting elected yeah and he says that and you're like man that's crazy but then he definitely did that shit no he definitely did it but I'm saying but that like, speaking in just, third person right. thing is what I'm going back right. to with even with the religious side of things but the sociopaths see themselves above everybody else that is true that you is know? true but and do you think that you could become so wrapped up in that you believe so much in yourself that that belief has taken over your brain and you honestly believe you did not do that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that's how I feel about Ted Bundy. And I think that's uh, Charles Manson, a perfect example. Well, Charles Manson didn't kill anybody, dude. No, he didn't. But if you took out that fact, if, if Ted Bundy didn't kill anybody. Sure. And you took that factor out. Look at the whole story. Yeah. It would be the same thing. But nah, he, he, man, he killed. I don't everybody. see where are you getting at here. Uh, the I mean, I'm talking about like the religious aspect of it. I got you. So that's a sociopath thing, right? So just the the personality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because so full of themselves. Manson is definitely he was definitely that, you know, but he didn't kill anybody. Yeah, I mean, he was just a fucking idiot. He just wanted to fuck. We'll do Charles Manson soon. That should be the next big serial killer we do. Okay. Just yeah. remind me. <laughs> but yeah, obviously. Ted Bundy put to death old school style too. one of the last electric chair deaths. Uh, he rode the fucking lightning big ass crowd of victims. Families gathered to watch him get completely fucking fried to death uh, on January 24th, 1989. He was strapped into the electric chair at Stark state prison in Florida. Superintendent of the prison, Tom Barton asked Bundy if he had any last words. Ted Bundy's last words were Jim and Fred. I'd like you to give my love to my family and friends. And he was speaking to his lawyer, 
Jim Coleman and Fred Lawrence, who was a Methodist minister who spent the evening in prayer with Bundy. Yeah. Both nodded their heads. And that's a wrap. Again, uh, through the third party confessions, 30 women is what he wrapped up in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Probably the most likely number is a little bit above 100. Could have been up to 350, given where he was at and the amount of unsolved crimes are on those areas. I tend to think that around 100 is because you got to go somewhere in the middle. Uh, And when it says it's and the confessing is loosely because he did it, you know, despondently. Uh, But yeah, yo, um, fuck Ted Bundy. Obviously, I'm going to say higher because his compulsion to kill. I mean, because it's, you know. Yeah, that is true. He he, He, he just couldn't stop. He couldn't fucking stop, man. He couldn't stop. He was definitely an addict of sorts. You know, he had to do it, you know. Um there, there's just this this is def of all the serial killers this is the craziest thing because it's provable except for the number you know it's it's uh you look at everything he did up until he got caught you know yeah and he got caught several times and he was able to escape yeah that's that that is like i know we went over that but that you can't just glaze over it yes this yes. is what this is the case where it turned in from like turned into uh he killed college girls. I mean, Edmund Kemper was doing the same thing. Right. Where then now switched over to if I kill a prostitute, nobody gives a fuck about them. Yeah. Especially if they're African-American. So he was able to uh, kind of help out other killers in a lot of ways because he knew if they yeah, cared they thought, about Yeah, they them, thought that that was the archetype for sure. Yeah. So he changed. He changed crime in a different way. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the good thing about it all, and this should be the last thing we say about the the case the the good thing about the the one thing you could take about ted bundy is never judge a fucking book by its cover never you know all the horrible things in the world that can happen could a hundred million percent be the fucking clean cut son of a bitch with a good job next door to you you know it's not always a fucking black kid in a hoodie it could literally be anybody looks don't have anything to do in fact the more a person delves into psychopathy, narco, uh, not narcolepsy, narcissism, sociopathy, you know, the main mental characteristics of a uh, murderer, they're going to make themselves appear as safe as possible. So look before you leap. Don't trust any fucking body. Do not trust people. People are terrible. Uh, yo, oh man, uh, we just gone so long in this. Let me fire up my Patreon. You got anything to fucking wrap up your week on, Big Lloyd? Uh, trying to think, man. Uh, I mean, I've been getting a lot of emails, uh, or not Great. emails, uh, Great. a lot of messages, man, or sure. And I've reached out to people, you know, that listen to the show, or you know, they, they're part of. If you're part of the Facebook group, um, and you just, you know, you kind of have some issues or whatever, it's. It, <laughs> I reach out because I, I care about people. And especially if you listen to the show, you care about what we do. I How try- drunk are you right now? I'm not that drunk. Man. You sure about that? Because yeah. you pretty much drink that whole bottle. I'm not that <laughs> fucked up, man. I'm perfect. All I'm right. actually perfect. All right. Uh, that's why I stopped where I'm at. But, uh, you know, it's there, there's, listen, us normal people, man. And when I say normal people, there's a lot of us out there suffering, you know, at all degrees. I try to help out, you know, and, uh, and music is a big thing for me. I like to recommend people like a band and be like, yo, when I was going through this, this is what I was listening to. Um, yeah, it's just important, man, that we all stick together and, uh, true crime community in general. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of cool that we have we had the fans we have and yeah, there's a lot of supporters. Yeah, um, we got a real diverse base, dude. That shit always jazzes me up. Uh, yeah, I, I post that in the group, but I know so many fucking. I mean, dude, the number you know our online numbers don't compare to the listeners. So you bring up a good point that I should definitely say on here is that uh, yeah, respect to anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously because you're listening to this, but you know, that don't judge a book by its cover shit goes in a positive route too, Yeah, because you know, just, just, we fucking, you know, you just never know who someone is. You never know what someone's going through. You never know what someone likes. Yeah. Just fucking let people come to you and and be who they are without be skeptical being a bitch to start with oh yeah for sure i mean honestly be way more afraid of like some clean cut motherfucker than a than a dirtbag yo um on those notes before i do the patreon shout outs i mean basically part of shout out to patreon land salute to my guy john michael bond hard times writer yeah comedian rad dude all the way around uh did something real nice for me in the last week. So cool. just a uh, private salute. Also, Sam Talent, the guy we said to bully. Don't. <laughs> He's doing good. Yeah, man. he rules, man. We said that the whole time. One of the best dudes alive. He wrote a book. He got signed to a giant literary agency to sell the book, which, uh, you know, if you write, it's a big deal. And, uh, man, goddamn, if that guy gets rich, like, I could literally not think of a better human being. He's so, he's cool, man. He, like, you never met an across-the-board rad person like that. So just, sh- I mean, just all the way around, man, fucking, we always said I've literally too, met him, but, like, maybe two or three times. Yeah. And, in, in like, the, you know, the second time I met him, he's like, hey, man. He knows everything about you, dude. He's like, I love you, dude. Yeah. And he gives me a hug, man. He's, he's a, sincere, too. He's a sincere dude. He's cool, man. Yeah. He's one of the best. And just, uh, you know, just some public appreciation for him making some big moves in this book. Shout out to listener Ian Demir. Mm-hmm. He made me and Buddy a banner and these giant decals. Yeah. Uh, so we could use a banner at live shows, put the decals on whatever. Just thanks, man. Cool shit like that. I mean, man, if you ever, like, you don't have to fiscally support us if you want to just show no. us love. I'm not asking. It, it feels dumb to ask for it, but I know, I know how people are. We provide something for them. I know that just from hearing from people, sometimes for whatever fucking reason, we mean a lot to some people. Yeah. So you don't have. First of all, you don't have to do shit for us. I don't give a no, fuck, man. But if you ever want to send us some fucking cookies or drugs or blankets or whatever, we're or, open to. Or it. just, I have a couple people that uh that I've met through here that I trade records with or yeah. CDs, man, and I like that. I don't, I don't want anything out of it. Like if yeah, you, you send me something, you're usually going to get something. And back, don't, don't take know? that as like an ask. No, I'm just no, fucking definitely t- not. All I'm saying is like, if, if that's something you feel emotion with, but you don't know how to go about it, like we're pretty fucking open to whatever, but salute to all the people who do support us on patreon.com. And again, just a reminder, if you listen to the whole thing and didn't hear it up top somehow, I ordered shirts yesterday. Those should be to you quick. All the shirts you've been seeing, Posts online aren't patrons. They're people who bought them from warlordclothing.com. And, of course, big fucking thank you so much. Dude, Andy Campbell has changed my weeks. You know what I mean? He's helped me out tremendously with research. Where I was spending like 10 hours, I'm doing like four now. Yeah. And that fucking, that's such a big help. He's killing it. Uh, Patreon salute. Jennifer Vale, Jeff Ross. Um, Michaela Janiski, Jansicki. I'm sorry, I fucking suck uh, on names. Bobby Henderson, 
fucking Matt Mess, Ryan Parker, the Bradshaw family, three fucking Bradshaws in Northwest Arkansas hooking us up since we've been going. We love you guys. Hopefully we'll see you again. Yo, if you guys want to come down to Vino's yeah. live show, it's only five bucks to get in, but let me know and I'll fucking make sure you get in for free. Speaking of, uh, Lacey Doyle. She is, her birthday is that week and she's going to come from Texas to come see us. Are you serious? Yeah. That rips, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah, you know, if you're a fucking patron and you want to make a trip to see us anytime, or if I'm doing comedy somewhere near you, just fucking hit me up. Yeah. Like we're like, I've been taking a break on that shit because I got a lot of life shit I got to get together. But, you know, from here out, just hit us up, dude. We got you. Lacey's only request is on her birthday that she gets ripped. Yes. We're the party boys. That's true. That is true. You know? uh, Brian Wiley, salute. Cam Catron, salute. Ash Rudy. Wow, what the fuck? I'm, I'm drunk. Yeah, Ash yeah, Rude. Yeah, yeah. Salute. Jesse Lucian, big salute. Will Claiborne, Patrick Wilding, Megan Beckham, Alejandro Palomino. That's an official fucking name. Clayton Haynes of Alien Invasion Defense System. Yeah. That fucking band AIDS slaps. Follow that band. Find them on social media. One man, brutal death metal project. You'll like it. I promise. Uh, Get into it, bitch. Hell yes. Uh, Of course, Lacey Doyle, who we just mentioned. Emma Long from overseas. Heaviest Mental. That's a fucking blog, a music blog. You should take a peek into. They post some pretty good memes. I'll tell you that much. That's Simon Croy. And uh, God damn it, dude. Huh? Yeah. I'm an idiot. Why don't you know this shit? Uh, I don't know, man. But yo, heaviest mental, powerful fucking blog out there in New Mexico doing it up. Great memes. Memesman. Yep. Uh, I see that dude Simon hiking all the time. That's tight. Yeah. He likes solo hikes. That's terrifying to me. I like to go on a hike, but I want to make sure that someone's there. You yeah. know what I mean? I like to go by myself sometimes. No, you don't. Yeah, dude. You don't go on hikes. Dude, I got... Well, allegedly, I got fucked up on a bunch of acid and sure took off. You know? Yeah, okay. Uh, Ronald D. Squire the Third, my man. Thank you, thank you, Robo Christ. That is the patron name. Appreciate that, friend. Geronimo Hansen. Thanks, dog. Hey, Ian Demir again for the Patreon hit up. Joe Sampson. Steven Kaliga, hilarious person on the uh, group, yeah. big contributor. Mark Sniff, fucking lifelong friend of mine. And Marco Polo, guys, all of you, seriously, fucking thank you. You make us able to get this shit done. You know what I'm I saying? wish Mark had a wig for me to borrow right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, you know, without going into too much, he's probably got a c- collection. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll keep that to ourselves but yeah that's one of my best friends in the world hey thank you guys it's been a long one we love you and we'll see you next week with a fresh new topic <laughs> <laughs>